Today's episode is brought to you by Canvas. Do you know how long it takes you to measure and model an as-built? Probably more time than you'd like. Canvas replaces hours of manual measuring with a few minutes of scanning with your iPhone or iPad. And Canvas eliminates the hours, if not days, of taking your measurements and turning them into a 3D as-built or 2D floor plan, all for pennies per square foot. You can try Canvas for free and download it at www.canvas.io and make sure to use promo code BF23. That's www.canvas.io and promo code BF23. All right, now back to the show. Hey, I'm Spencer Powell, and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey, and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Jeff Can of Houseworks. Before founding Houseworks in 2005, Jeff served for over 20 years as a senior level executive for a San Francisco-based global company. Jeff's vision for Houseworks is to provide superior custom design services integrated with exceptional craftsmanship for a convenient one-stop remodeling experience for San Francisco homeowners. Now for my conversation with Jeff Can. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you, Spencer. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Give everyone a little bit of context. Who are you? What's the company and where are you guys located? Yep. Well, my name's Jeff Can, and I'm the president founder of Houseworks, which is a design build company located in San Francisco, California. And we're relatively urban based, meaning that we work within the city and county of San Francisco. So it's a pretty uh, densely populated area. And our, as a design build company, our firm really focuses on taking the somewhat quirky, which means that, you know, homes that were built in the late 1800s and 1900s were, have been added onto, reconfigured, but it doesn't always make sense or fit both functionally and aesthetically. So we really focus on, you know, how to take those typical San Francisco homes and convert them into, you know, really functional and beautiful spaces. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I'm curious, is that the way you started or when, when did the company start and what did that look like? Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a long answer to your question. I'll try to make (laughs) it brief. I started the company in 2005 after spending 25 years in banking. Okay. And, And as I was leaving banking, I wanted to start my own company and I was researching, you know, what would make sense. And what started to dawn on me and kept coming back to me as I was going through that journey was, you know, we had moved 
you know, five times across the country, every time we'd either built or remodeled a home when we moved. And while we're always happy with the end result, you know, the getting from, you know, the start to when we were in the home and enjoying it, you know, was not always a great experience. So I thought, hey, there's a real opportunity here to sort of bring the, what I, my experience from business and create an envelope where craftspeople can just focus on doing their thing and they don't have to, you know, worry about sales or marketing or communication, you know, to the extent that, you know, it's, you know, there's a process for which, you know, to keep clients updated and suppliers scheduled and, and that sort of thing. So that was really the, the genesis, of, if you will, of Houseworks. Gotcha. Yeah. And so you said that was 2005 that you Correct. started? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What did that first year look like with that kind of vision in mind? Well, the first year, the first couple of years actually were fantastic. Amazing. And, you know, and we were sort of arrived, if you remember, you know, sort of coming up to 2007, the industry was really going through a boom. So, you know, we made lots of mistakes, but they're covered up just because we we're you know, we were so busy and, and things were just going swimming. And then, you know, 2008 hit and it was like, holy smokes, what have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> so I would say, you know, the, the first couple of years were, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know, but we're just darn lucky. And then, you know, when it really got tough, you know, realized that, oh my gosh, this is hard. And we've got, we've got a ton to learn here. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, how did you land your first couple of projects? And I I always find that fascinating. You know, anytime you start up a business it's like, well, I'm in business, but then you got to go, you know, sell something to do something. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, that was, that part was not too hard. We started small. So we started really focusing on smaller projects, you know, just to get some experience and get our feet wet. And there's a real, opportunity in the market for that because there's not a lot of firms like to do the smaller stuff. So mm-hmm. we just advertised that, you know, we, you know, we can work on, you know, the smaller projects and the phone started ringing. There you so, go. So yeah. that was it. Yeah. No, that's good. And take me through kind of some of the tough times you said, you know, things got hard and you kind of had to dig in what was it that was most difficult was it just the phone wasn't ringing as much or yeah well, what was going on yeah so in in 2008 you know when the financial crisis happened it was a very fast you know all of a sudden the phone stopped ringing we were lucky in that we had a couple projects that were underway at that time and they kept going so so we had work but in terms of future work, it really dried up. So we had to shrink the company. You know, we had 18 employees and we shrunk down to, you know, I forget, seven or eight and, you know, just wrote it out. And the the other piece of it was sort of that, what I call is the performance risk. You know, how well do we execute the work that we're doing? If we made a mistake, it, it really became glaring. So, you know, if you know, project budgets weren't in line, you know, it started to really sort of cascade on itself. So, you know, we went through a couple of years where, you know, first we shrunk, 
then we started, you know, slowly rebuilding and, and basically took the company totally apart and rebuilt it from scratch. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to do. And, you know, what came, you know, sort of really apparent is that there's a lot of pieces, there's a lot of moving pieces in running a remodeling company. And simultaneous to that, you know, we started working on larger and larger projects. Well, a mistake on a larger project has a lot more ramifications than it does on us on a smaller one. So the mistakes that we were making that were sort of covered up became, you know, sort of glaring like issues. We have to deal with this. We have to get better at what we do. And so it was just a huge learning experience. And you said you kind of had to rebuild the company, which is super challenging. Were there one or two things that you did during that process where you said, hey, we we saw X and we, we need to fix that. So we restructured in in this way. I'm I'm curious if you can talk about one or two specifics. Well, I'd say the biggest thing is how to the planning to get a project, you know, through design and into construction. And that that includes integrating the build side to the design side really early on in a project. And what goes hand in hand with that is just getting the estimate right. Like if you don't get the estimate right, nothing else is, you know, it's going to be really, yeah, it's going to be really hard to, to make it work. So for us, those were our issues and they're like joined at the hip. So if the designs change late in the design cycle, but or even when you start construction, the estimates were done way earlier than that. So you you have a budget that's not really reflected in what the current design is. That was sort of our issue as as things were as the project was developing and and going through design. So we really had to focus on tightening that up. That was our sort of biggest thing. We had a great crew. So once once we got the right information in their hands, you know they. The building part of it, you know, in terms of quality and stuff was going good, but we just couldn't match a budget to, you know, what was happening. And it was primarily that, you know, design estimating construction cost means a method portion of the project planning early on and then carrying it through. No, that makes a ton of sense. And yeah, I feel like a lot of companies go through that that learning curve right there, you know, that you just described. And yeah, if you can solve that one. It solves a lot of other things along the way. <laughs> exactly. It's hard to fight uphill the whole way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we first started the conversation, you mentioned, you know, big part of the reason you started this business was kind of letting the craftspeople do their thing and, you know, not having to worry about marketing sales and some of those other things. I'm curious how you've like worked on that vision and carried that through. Did you design the company a certain way or how have you guys evolved to kind of achieve that? Yeah. Well, we started, you know, with the small projects as I was chatting about, and that became, you know, for me, it, there's a huge market opportunity there, but just in terms of enjoyment over, you know, what I do and what we do, that satisfaction, you know, really wasn't there with that. And so I started looking around at, you know, how to how to migrate from doing these small projects to larger ones. And at that time, I was I was part of NARI, which is, you know, our San Francisco Bay chapter of NARI, and met some folks who introduced me to Remodelers Advantage. 
And so, you know, for me, I was just a sponge. I just needed the education, you know, to get the industry, you know, knowledge. And what Remodeler's Advantage opened the door or opened my mind to was that this concept of design build. And that's what really, you know, sort of formed the basis of our company employing that business model and then refining it for ourselves as we go. And that was the real turning point. And that was, you know, right around, you know, that 2008 period of time. So as we rebuilt into this design build company from scratch, really had the benefit of, you know, other remodelers who had done that, you know, through the, our, you know, work with Remodelers Advantage. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. I'm also curious too, you, you mentioned 25 years in the banking industry and then going to business ownership. What surprised you most about being an entrepreneur, being in business for yourself, kind of having that, that prior background? How much there is to do. <laughs> you know, when you, yeah. when you work for a large corporation, there's a lot of support people. And in, when you have a small company, you don't, you know, so you have to figure out, you know, how to get all those things done with fewer people. And so what happens is not just, not just me as the business owner, but, you know, people who work for us too have to wear multiple hats. And that's probably the biggest, you know, the biggest thing. And the, the other thing was just not knowing what you don't know for me yeah. specifically, you know, it's like most of the people who run remodeling companies you know, came up, you know, through the trade and, or, you know, at least through carpentry and, you know, had a real good sense of, you know, what it takes to do X, Y, or Z. And I didn't. So, you know, there was just a huge learning curve and just had to, you know, really dig in and learn absolutely everything about the business. And that's, that's a big challenge. Yeah, I know there's there's so many little things when you start getting into it. I'm curious, I know you'll you have your perspective, but I've had people on the show that have either come into the industry, you know, having no prior experience like yourself, they either bought a business or started it, and then there's obviously a lot of people that, you know, were in the trades or they kind of came into the business for themselves by being a craftsman. And I think they both have their own unique 
challenges and knowledge gaps. I'm curious if you feel like your your knowledge gaps were an advantage or if it would have been better to actually have had like the the craftsman knowledge and then have the business gaps be the bigger the bigger ones. Yeah, I'd say Spencer it's probably a mixed bag. There are yeah. there are advantages to not doing that, to not having that experience because it forces you to employ, you know, management principles around, you know, managing to results, setting objectives, you know, yeah. that sort of thing, which gives the people doing the work more, a little bit more autonomy and freedom and, and ownership of what they're doing. And so from that perspective, I think that's a good thing. The other part of it is it really, because I, you know, I can't go out and, you know, work side by side with the crew and add any value. It really forces me to, you know, the sort of the cliche saying to work on the business and not in the business. So that was my lane already. So I didn't have to worry about it. So I'd say, you know, from that perspective, those things are, are advantageous from actually knowing what it takes to get something done. That's where the disadvantage comes in. And what I did is, you know, hired people who had the experience that, that could do that and were both invested in and rewarded by the outcome Mm. of their work. In the long term, I think it's worked extremely effectively for us. Along the way, there were moments where it was really challenging. Yeah. If I had to just guess, I actually think I would give the edge to not having the tools knowledge, you know, because it does, again, like you said, it kind of forces you to work on the business. And I feel like when you're in the craft, you kind of, you kind of like it and it, but then you're also in it. And so it can become a quote unquote distraction from doing marketing, doing sales, like working on systems. And also I think the advantage to that is that if you get behind, you can kind of just like jump in and put the hours in and get the job done or, you know, but when you can't, then you have to employ creativity and the right people and and all of those types of things. So, but Again, neither path is easy and I I could be wrong, but I think that hurdle I've seen in a lot of industries, but the person that starts any business because of what they're good at, it's really difficult to pull themselves out of actually doing the thing because a lot of times they like doing the thing, you know. So right. But you have to you have to hire for that experience, that knowledge, which is more expensive than, you know, True. just but I think in the long run, at least for us, I'm, you know, it's worked out okay. Yeah, no, that's good. No, I appreciate your perspective on it. Any like crazy client stories or wacky projects that you've worked on or anything come up over the years that you can share with us? I find there's always one or two gems in every every construction company. <laughs> that's a pretty broad question. I, I can think of one thing that sort of prompted us to then take a little bit of path and I'll share the story with you. We were working on a on a home in the mission neighborhood of San Francisco. And this home was built in 1890. And as we're going through and initially doing the demolition work, we opened up a wall and they used old newspaper as insulation in the wall. (laughs) Nice. And so we got to, you know, look, I forget the year now, but, you know, let's say, you know, around 1900. And, you know, so we see real estate prices, we see the, the, you know, cost of groceries and you know, this sort of stuff. So that was pretty cool. You know, that's fascinating. But what we did is one of our folks had an idea 
we should offer our clients to put a like a time capsule mm. in their wall when we're doing their renovation. So we offer it to our clients. Some do it, some don't. But it's really cool. We just use like a manila envelope and they put some, you know, clippings of newspapers or a note about, you know, who lived here and and then we we seal it in the wall. That's cool. So I like that. That was <laughs> that's a pretty good no, that's that's awesome. Yeah. I'll, I'm sure that I'll was for you the horror stories. <laughs> well, I feel I feel like a lot of times that's what other remodelers like to hear because you know, we all go through these challenges. And when you're in it, you're just like, you know, why me or why is this happening? And and I think hearing that it kind of happens all over and that part part of entrepreneurship is navigating, kind of pushing through those is helpful. So if you have one that comes to mind that you can leave out names and, and stuff, personal information, we'd love to hear it. Not offhand. Okay. All right. Well, we'll if you think of something, we'll we'll circle back to it. Sounds good. In terms of just like the entrepreneurial journey, what do you think has been one of the most rewarding parts of starting and growing a business? You know, for me, it's really just the personal connection. I think that both in terms of the the company itself, you know, it's like from zero to, you know, where we are today, it's, and again, it's going to sound like a cliche, but, you know, it's my baby and I'm super proud of what we do. I'm super proud of the people that work here love our, you know, love our projects, but, you know, sort of creating something from nothing is extremely rewarding for me. And in a smaller company, and that's what's different from my previous life is that not only is it extremely personal, you know, just sort of the connection to the company, but the people who work here, I mean, you know, so we're 18, 20 people. That's really small. We know each other. We, you know, we get together with you know, we have, you know, functions with families and stuff as part of the company. And we're all sort of connected, you know, pretty closely through what we do. And to me, that's, that's immense personal satisfaction. Yeah. 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 It's super cool. Well, I'm curious, what does the, the future of the, the business look like? Where are you guys trying to go over the next three to five years? Well, great question. I think, you know, these past couple of years, you know, the COVID boom in our industry has really afforded us to realize what the possibilities are and, you know, utilizing that. And we use part of the time during that COVID shutdown period to, you know, take a hard look at what we do and to, you know, make sure that our systems and training and things were in place. And, and we've really been humming, you know, for the past couple of years coming out of that. And it's given us also a really good base of business, you know, just being booked out so far gives you the freedom to be more selective about the projects that you take on. And it just showed, it showed us a different path, which is both a path for growth and to really focus on, you know, who's, you know, who's the right client for us, where are we the most successful and to give us the ability not out of necessity, but out of, you know, sort of having that, that pipeline full to really focus on, you know, where, where we do the best work and, and where we fit. Yeah. Yeah. It's really it's been a, a tremendous opportunity. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we're, we're headed for some headwinds and, and I, you know, that's definitely going to happen. And, 
I don't know, you know, how, how much trouble or not that's going to be for us. You know, we can only focus on what we have in front of us. But as we look forward, you know, for our company, you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, anywhere between, you know, 25 to, you know, as we get further out, you know, we get more conservative, but, you know, 25 to 10% growth year over year for the next, you know, three to five years. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. And just speaking of kind of the future and, you know, nobody has the crystal ball, but what do you think are one or two big challenges that we will face as just as a industry over the next, you know, 12 to 36 months, something like that? Well, I only really know San Francisco, so I can't, I can't speak industry wide, but for us, it's, you know, there's, it's a very localized, you know, Where's the economy going? How how confident are people making investment in their homes? So that's directly tied to home value. So if we, I'd say the biggest challenge is, you know, when is whatever's going to happen going to happen? So yeah. are we going to be in a recession? Are we there? I, you know, who knows? But sort of this unknown period where, you know, there's layoffs and there's, you know, other things going on within our market, you know, that sort of needs to, you know, we just need to get some solid footing and then have a better sense for that. So I'd say that's the real challenge is just how, how confident people feel about, you know, investing money in their home. Yeah. 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 And I would imagine you're seeing it pretty, pretty spot on with all the tech layoffs and being in, in San Fran and everything, you know, and all the, you know, the whole banking stuff. And you know, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot going on in the newspapers. So there is, I mean, you know, listen, Silicon Valley bank, it's not, it's down the peninsula, but there's, you know, certainly our clients, you know, are aware of it. If they haven't had a banking relationship with them, it's still very localized. The Republic bank is, you know, is right here too, which is a big, a big piece of it. But, you know, I haven't known anybody sort of directly impacted or affected by it, meaning our clients. Good. But it's just all the noise, you know, makes people yeah. cautious, very cautious. Yeah. Yeah, it sure does. Well, Jeff, wrap us up here with maybe some final words of wisdom or one piece of advice that you want to share with other remodelers out there listening. What do you want to leave us with? Yeah, I mean, for us, I would say the the thing that's been the absolute best for us in terms of, you know, how our company performs and how much fun it is to go to work every day is really about the people we have here. And good people who have the same focus on what I would call the, you know, characteristics or or personal characteristics or attributes, you know. Things like, you know, a real passion for what they do, take great pride in their work, trust each other. You know, for us, it's a family-centric company and and the people that work here are very family-oriented. So if you have those characteristics and you have people that are good at what they do, give them the opportunity to be super successful, both financially and in terms of what rewards them and satisfaction for their job and get the heck out of the way. And for us, that's been the best, the best recipe for success. I like it. Yeah. Great advice. Well, Jeff, I I really appreciate you carving out the time and sharing your story with us today. Thank you, Spencer. Enjoyed it. 
Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.